Welcome to the Sisters of Industry, a weekly podcast where a shared bloodline combined with divergent professional experiences set the stage for great conversation on doing work that matters. With Laura's global corporate experience and Jen's nonprofit startup experience, the sisters will provide you with insights that can be used to help you lead and work better starting now. We're here to make you laugh, make you think, and make you more industrious in your professional and personal life. I'm John, your special guest today, and I took it personally that ESPN went off the air in our region. Seriously, what's that about? Are we not worthy of the sports talk? What am I supposed to do in the car now? I'm Laura, and I take it very personally when my plants do not thrive. I water them, put them in indirect sunlight, talk to them like an absolute lunatic. All the right things. So what's the problem, my leafy friends? On today's special episode, we're focusing on a timely, necessary topic. How to deal when it gets personal in your professional life. We hear and hate the saying, it's not personal, on a regular basis. But how often do we pause to find ways to cope, nay thrive, when things do get personal? When reality hits close to home? When hard decisions that impact people need to be made? When kids are making the wrong choices? Just because it is personal does not mean it's unmanageable. Today we get real about where we are, and I'm joined by my husband John to help talk us through it. Things are personal, so we need to figure it out. Let's go. Welcome to Memory Lane. We're getting a little crazy. I invite my husband onto an episode of the Sisters of Industry and never before done, we are starting with Memory Lane today. John, since this episode is about things getting personal, I've decided I'm gonna out us to a very personal but hilarious story that is almost 18 years old from our life together. And it's gonna be embarrassing for both of us. Do you wanna start or should I? Uh, I'll start, and I have to admit, I'm very glad our 18-year-old really doesn't know about this. It's so personal that uh, it's one of those things that we just keep away. But anyway, um, I was extremely nervous, super excited, first-time dad. New Jersey, uh, Liza was just born. And in my haste to let everybody know how proud a father I was and how awesome my wife is, I decided to take some pictures in the labor room. Uh, let's remember something too. The labor room sometimes doesn't have complete coverage of all the bathing suit areas for um, the woman having a child. <laughs> so, um, you know, I hadn't slept very much and I was a new father and, you know, so proud that I decided I'm going to get a close-up picture of my wife and new baby. Unfortunately, I really didn't look at that picture very closely before I emailed it to all of our relatives and some of our friends. As soon as we looked a little closer, we noticed something was amiss, or let's just say, not covered. <laughs> uh, I, I we don't were know. hoping people focused on Liza Jane's head and not anything else yeah. that was within the picture. And I, I was mortified once I saw it. I don't know how Laura didn't 
completely run off the rails at the moment, but I think exhaustion and exhaustion the child. Helped. And it was yeah. also before the days of Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, insert social media here. So it's not like we created a public digital rendering of it. However, you probably sent a couple dozen people a very, very special photo of me and Liza Jane up close and personal. Which was sweet. And let's use this opportunity to say to any of our friends and family that may have saved that email, please delete immediately. Yes, destroy all evidence of it. We will have edited versions from you uh, as soon as possible, but destroy it right now. And to all the expectant families that may be listening to this podcast today, let this personal and embarrassing story be a warning to you. Get a little extra sleep and edit your photos before uploading them when you have a new child and a joy to share. Thanks for joining us on Memory Lane. You're welcome. So today we are going to talk about life getting personal. We will try not to share any more stories like we did on Memory Lane. But first, John, thank you for joining us. We thought there would be nothing better than to spend some time talking about when things get personal than for John and I to have a conversation, which I think is good because a lot of times when things in our professional lives get personal, we bring them home in an extra special way. And I'll speak firsthand and acknowledge that that's been really challenging for me lately and probably the inspiration for this special episode because things have been all too real in my world lately. You're, when you start dealing with the things that are of this world right now, but have to be dealt with in big businesses. I work in an international business. The what's going on in the Ukraine directly impacts what we're doing. So literal daily meetings. And it's really hard to go through that. And then we're dealing with inflation and increasing energy prices and the impacts that that have on the environment around us. It's been hard. And some of it's been really personal to deal with lately. And I know, John, you experienced some of that working in your school and just some of the things you go through with your kids. It's personal. I don't care what anybody says, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You bring it home with you every day. It's You have to find ways to deal with the stress. But at the same time, when you have kids who are under the gun to make sure that they pass, that they get their work done, parents who are frustrated, who are asking you to solve their problems and asking you to carry their kids through the end of the school year, it's hard to come home and just brush that off. Right. So we decided today we're going to spend some time literally just focusing on some advice for our listeners on things that you can do when the things that are supposed to be professional, they're supposed to be anesthetized, not impact you. But the reality is it's all too real and it's so personal. So John and I are going to give you four things to take away, tips, tricks, whatever you want to call them, to help deal with your professional life when things are just too real and too personal and it's becoming overwhelming. So John, I'll introduce the first one then give you a chance. So the okay. first one to me is remember you did not create the problem. Now I understand that's not always universally true, but generally mm -hmm. speaking, you didn't create the problem. It's not your fault, John, that a child is in foster care and needs extra help and is struggling with school in addition to basic life. It is not my fault that energy prices are rising like they are globally and impacting the world economy, right? These things are not problems that we created. However, they are real problems that are in front of us and they feel really personal when you're trying to solve them and people are frustrated. So I think the first thing is remember you did not create the problem. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that means you can accept responsibility but you don't need to take on the burden of accountability and yep. you need to keep reminding yourself this would go in the category put it on a post-it note i can be responsible without being accountable don't carry that burden mm -hmm. and I, I 
if you look at people who take responsibility for issues that they didn't create, I think it's because um, we want to make a difference. We want to change the world. We want to change people. And part of the reason I became a teacher is so I could, you know, it sounds like cliche, but to make a difference with kids and how they, they progress. But there's so many more issues that we didn't create, that we didn't bring to the table, that a lot of times you just have to step back and say, you know, where are we going with this? I think that's particularly interesting, like as I listen to you and I think a lot of our readers, whether or listeners, excuse me, whether they have kids or are teachers themselves or just frankly are living in this world right now, schools are a great example. We're hearing a lot about behavioral issues at school, Mm -hmm. kids that are behind academically. No matter what you think or do not think, I'm not trying to make this about how we got here. The reality is that two years later down the road of a pandemic, there have been issues that are affecting the mental health and the academic progress and the behavioral situations that our kids find themselves in. You did not, John, create that problem, but you have taken responsibility for help solving some of that, as have many of your colleagues. And I think that's a great example for folks. There's a difference between responsible and accountable, and that makes a huge difference in the burden that you carry and what you bring home. Yeah, and if you think of it, and I just have to throw another little personal note in here. My mother just had knee surgery, and her doctor looked at her after um, he was done. He said, hey, I did a good job with you, you know, but he didn't say, I fixed you. He said that, you know, you came to me with these issues. I did the best I could for you. Now you're going to progress from here. I actually, I really love that. Take, take it from a surgeon to come up with something like that, right? Because I think right. a lot of us would hesitate to self-proclaim that we did a good job. But mm-hmm. I appreciate the insight from that statement. Mm-hmm. I did a good job. I didn't fix it, but I did a do- good job. I think golfers, you and I are not golfers, oh, heck no. but no. we overhear the phrase, play the ball where it lies, mm-hmm. right? You yep. hear that a lot as it relates to golfing, and it's one that applies here. You didn't put the ball in the sand trap. Is that how you say that in golf? You and I don't even pretend to be golf no people. Idea. I'm all about Phil Mickelson because he's left-handed, but that's like the end of golf for me. So, um, you know, you play the ball where it lies. And I think in, in this case, you don't need to carry the burden, but you do need to take responsibility for moving the situation, for advancing it. And that's what's important. And focus on doing good work as opposed to carrying the burden for the perfect fix or for why you got there to begin with. Right. That's okay. a really good way to put it. Good. So, John, number two. All right. The thing to remember is that people aren't talking to you directly when they say the mean things. They might be saying it in your face, to your face, but it's not you they're talking about. So you might be the receiver of the message, but you're not intended for the attack. And I can give you a good example of this. Okay. Um, and this is, you know, just being as, as honest as I can about it. We have a few parents that, and that I've dealt with in the past who come in, um, like swinging away when there's an issue with the child they're so frustrated that Mm -hmm. they're not sure who to blame but most often they're blaming themselves because it's their child so when they come in for a conference or they have a phone call or whatever it's usually out of frustration that they will just attack any issue that they have because they don't know what to do right they're so it's almost like they're lost so they attack in every direction right right 
Well, I think going with number one, so, you know, number one being, remember, you did not create the problem. Number two being, remember, they aren't talking to or attacking you. Mm -hmm. They could be almost anybody, but those around you, they're not talking about you. They're not attacking you. Mm -hmm. It's the problem and you're the face of the problem to them potentially. And I think they tie together because by taking responsibility, you're standing out in the lead. You're kind of putting Mm -hmm. yourself out in front of that problem, which is a really self-sacrificing move. And you need to acknowledge it for that and recognize that in the process of that sacrifice, people are going to come at you, but it's not about you. I think that's Rick Warren, right? The beginning Mm -hmm. of Purpose Driven Life. You. Mm-hmm. Not about you. So the beginning of Rick Warren's book that stood the test has stood the test of time, right? It is not about you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such an important message. He his context was different, obviously, in that book, but I think it it resounds everywhere. It's not about you. Sometimes you hear people say, "Separate yourself from the problem." That's a yeah. really common phrase that you hear. It makes like, total sense. Which makes complete sense, right? There is an issue. People are going to yell. They might be upset. I made someone cry the other week. I didn't make them cry. I spoke a truth into a difficult situation. Are you sure you really didn't make them cry? (laughs) That's just mean. I wasn't going to tell them it was you. Just kidding. See, you're mean. I'll be mean back. Just kidding. Yep. So seriously, though, like someone cried because of something I said on a conference call the other week. It was not because I said something cruel or that I did something wrong. Right. But I spoke a truth that was hard to hear about the situation, and it made them upset. Having said that, had I not acknowledged the truth for what it was, we weren't going to be able to deal with it, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I'm sure there are times that folks that I've gotten, I'm known to be a bit of a crier, right? I'm sure there are times when I've cried or teared up or people have known I've become emotional. And it's not about the person who delivered the message. It's about the reality. And right now we're dealing with things that are intensely personal. I mean, if I'm really frank, we're all operating right now with a, a war going on. Yeah, I mean, there's are. just no other word for that right yeah, now. And I don't exactly. even know how to put the words to that right now, but it's extremely personal that that's at the root cause of a lot of the things we're trying to deal with. The kids you deal with at school, a global way, are feeling that and seeing that. Sure they are. I'm seeing that professionally, especially because I work with persons that are in that in the region where it's happening right now, right? It's mm-hmm. very personal, it's very real, and sometimes that truth is overwhelming. But again, People aren't upset with you. They're not crying because of you. They're talking to you. There's a separate issue here. Because you're out in front, it can feel personal, but it's not. Right. So that's, I think, really important. Yeah. And one more thing to throw in there. Psychologically, when we're attacked, we do one of three things. We fight, fly, or, or flee, or we freeze. So right. fight, flight, or freeze are the three things we have to do. We don't have to follow that rule as a professional. We have to get past the point where we say... I'm being attacked, I fight back, I run away, or I do nothing. We have to learn to respond to that. And I think part of being a professional, the longer you're in a, in a certain spot or in a career, in a job, whatever, you learn that I don't have to follow that rule just because my heart rate goes up, just because I start sweating. It means I'm going to deal with this the best way possible. Right. That's really good to actually think about what are the op- what are the options here, but you don't have to respond in kind is really exactly. good advice. Okay, so we have remember you did not create the problem. Remember they aren't talking to you. Mm-hmm. And the third thing I'd like to submit in our remembrance list, um, I think this is good, four remembrances for dealing with personal situations. Number three, remember to be a solver, 
not a hero. Mm -hmm. So our regular listeners will chuckle to themselves because I often find ways to bring up, because we all know I'm workshopping my book, Take Off the Superhero Cape, right? Mm -hmm. Working title, right? Um, Here's another example where being the hero is not the answer. You can be a solver, but you don't need to be the hero. And what do I mean by that? Don't go alone. With the exception of Endgame, Generally speaking, when right. you watch the superhero movies, they're going at it alone. There's, it's not often that mm-hmm. they're working in a group, right? And I know there's exceptions. And I'm going to get 47 nerdy Instagram direct messages yes, telling me how El I just Solo messed that up. Lobo. But I need you to please go with me, right? Your nerd is about to come out at me. I can okay. tell. Okay, I'll, I'll hold it back. Don't go it alone. It's important, right. right? Build a team, right? In the last two weeks, I don't think this is disclosing anything I shouldn't on this podcast, right? Since the war broke out in the Ukraine, first thing that we did at my work, we assembled a team. No one is out there trying to address the issues that has created alone, mm-hmm. right? COVID, we didn't go it alone. How did we handle things as a team, right? energy crises and issues we all have to deal with, right? We're not going it alone. Mm -hmm. Get a team. So I think that's an important part of not being the hero. The other part to me is don't go for the epic win. Mm -hmm. You can solve and you can make incremental improvements, but you don't need to be perfect and do the perfect, amazing, solve it all thing all at once. I am not going to personally stop the war in Ukraine. I can participate in lots of personal endeavors to try to be part of what you know, to try to be helpful and make a difference. You are not personally going to solve the mental health crisis that is raging against our kids, right? Right. Don't be the hero, but you can be a solver that's contributing to an end. And I have to say, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing without the, the shout out to the rest of my team members if they're listening, um, without the five other people that I work with. Because Mm -hmm. when I was in a classroom by myself, there's no way I can handle this stuff. There's no way. I have five other people that I can rely on for any situation with any of the kids that I'm working with, and they can rely on me too. But it's a team effort. It takes six adults to be able to handle situations with one kid at a time. And Mm -hmm. we're a stronger team because of it. I think all teachers should have that. I mean, every profession should have people they can rely on. And like you said, you're not gonna solve every problem overnight. Now, I have to throw this out there because I was told this last week for, for international women, on International Women's Day. I'm scared of that, what's about to come out of your mouth. That as a male, as a male, my tendency to wanna solve problems is um, actually hurting the females who are around me because they just want me to listen. And I'm, I'm I think learning that's how fair. to do that. So I'm to be learning. fair, and honestly, so I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna be nice here, not just because I love you and you're my husband. That's not just a guy thing, right? We all wanna be problem solvers, and sometimes we need to be listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know folks, I know I have some friends, we talk about on a regular basis, do you want me to listen or do you want me to help solve? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's a really good question to put up front. So I think that's a great add to this. Like. You can be a solver. Maybe you even just need to be a listener as yeah. part of dealing with a personal situation. And when things feel overly personal, you don't need to be heroic and make it all go away magically overnight. Yeah. And I have to admit, I was raised as a guy in my family that men solve problems. We went out and fixed things, right? Mm-hmm. You get the tools out and you fix it. But yes, I'm learning myself. I have to ask that question. Do you need me to listen? Do you need me to help you solve it? Mm-hmm. That's That's a big step. But at the same time, um, we have to keep iterating. We have to keep trying to figure out exactly what's going on and not stop in the process of solving something. 
And I think that's important, especially when things start to feel personal, right? And it kind of goes back to your, how do you react to it in a different context now, right? Keep working on the issue, be a solver. And sometimes the solve is saying, we're all gonna be done two hours early today because we need a mental break from the situation. Now I realize you can't do that at school. The school hours are what they are. That's an option I have. I have the option. I use this just today in my professional life. Canceled a meeting. And that might sound so stupid that I saw that as a solving, but what I knew I had was a team that is overtasked, overwhelmed, under pressure, and they're feeling the emotional burden of some of the things that that are going on in the world around them right now. I canceled a meeting, and the only note they got from me with the meeting cancellation was, do not fill this hour with something else. Use it to take a deep breath, to get organized if you wanna do that, to go sit and stare out a window, or to take a walk. That's what this hour is for. I'm giving you this hour for. It's not so you can go have another meeting and fill the time because you got freed up, right? Which is a great idea. So they can be very small things that you do when things start to feel personal. Because guess what? If they feel personal for you, they feel personal for others too. And it's becoming overwhelming. That's a really good point. So going along with that, because really it takes us to point number four, which is remember to take care of you and others when when things are feeling personal. When it is personal... Things wear on you faster and they evoke a stronger response, right? You're going to get angry. You're going to get emotional. You're going to react. Now is the time to rest, walk away, and eat cupcakes, right? Yeah. Um, Maybe not to eat cupcakes as much. Maybe eat cupcakes while you walk to balance the situation out. Oh, it's always healthy with you. It has. Well, it's... I, I gotta admit, I bring stuff home. Um, there are particularly bad days, and I come home and I'm testy with you, and I'm short with. I've the never kids. noticed ever. And that's because you're just the perfect wife. But at the same time, <laughs> and I mean that in all seriousness, it I don't even recognize that I'm doing it. Like I should just come home and take the dog for a walk, or I should. And I know you just heard that, and I should just decompress before I walk in the door. And I know right. it's not always possible, but when I'm feeling like I'm under attack and I carry that in, at home with me, especially with the kids, when they do something, they don't do an assignment, whatever, I snap so much faster as right. opposed to just handle it the way I should, like a good husband and father should. And I think that's important for everybody. Just remember, like, what is that release mechanism? How do you find the opportunity to take care of yourself and to remember to take care of others if you're in a leadership position? And that others also, if you're the leader or a member of a family or a small group or Mm -hmm. a group of friends, whatever the case might be, remember to be taking care of others out there too, because I'm going to guess right now, knowing everything that's going on, Um, if somebody has multiple kids in their house, they probably have at least one that's struggling right now with something, be it mental health, academic, physical, Mm -hmm. given everything that we've been dealing with the last two years, they're probably dealing with a kid issue. Oh, for sure. There are very likely financial issues that are cropping up for folks, right? Like we are all experiencing that the cost of inflation is what it is right now, right? Mm -hmm. I want to be very careful not to get into that too much, right? But there are impacts that people are under stress. They're under duress. We need to watch out for one another right now and make sure we're doing the things that we need to do um, to take care of one another. Okay. So things are personal. I think that list helps John Mm -hmm. to think about. I'm going to reiterate it quickly. There are four remembers for when things get personal. Mm -hmm. Remember, you did not create the problem. Remember, they aren't talking to you. Remember to be a solver, not a hero. And remember to take care of yourself and of others. And if you do those four things, 
all the world will not be fixed overnight, but I think that which is personal starts to get into clearer focus and you start to cope better so that you're better equipped to manage day to day with the things you're dealing with. Right. You remember what's most important at home and at the office. John, thanks for joining me today. I think it was perfect to get insight from a different field of work as we walked through this. And it was just fun to talk about this with you. And we'll go replay everything that we should have said later today <laughs> while it. we're watching Newsroom. Because Definitely. we are also coping with things being too personal by watching the show Newsroom for the like the, for me like the eighth time. For you, the first, first time, time. Yeah, right loving now, it. Definitely. Which is fun because it's a completely different set of problems that we, by the way, got through. That show's what, 15 years old? Oh my gosh. Wow. It's aged no, beautifully, old. but the election, like it goes back decades. So you mm -hmm. do realize that big issues we have managed to move on from. So that's actually a fun, really nerdy reflection on the TV show we're using to drown our sorrows right now. So, yeah. well, hey, thanks for having me, and I look forward to coming back to talk soon. All right, stand by for real talk. In Real Talk today, I want to introduce the next book for Reading with the Sisters. This is actually our final book for season three that has stretched from 2021 to 2022. And we invite you to get a copy and read with Jen and I the book, The Great Game of Business by Jack Stack. We've picked this book for a couple of reasons. One of them admittedly being, we wanna say Jack Stack over and over and over because it's a fantastic name. But also because this is a really good book to ground us in some really basic ways to deal with a business, especially when things are challenging. Um, the premise of this book is some gentlemen who were working for a company that was have that was losing money and was about to go bankrupt. And they essentially went bottoms up, worked with gentlemen on the fact, I shouldn't say gentlemen, but it was in, in this case at the time. They worked with the team ground floor level to figure out how they could transform their business in, and took it from bankruptcy to thriving with some changes that they then outline in this book. So it's in, subtitled The Only Sensible Way to Run a Business, which I think is a really good way to help you understand what the great game of business is about. It is, in fact, acknowledging in this book that leaders don't have all the answers, but they do need to know where to go to get those answers, a concept we all know and is going to play out in this book and give us some great tips on how to improve your business. Very fundamentally, we're gonna walk through with the great game of business, how to know the rules of your business, how to keep score, and then provide everybody a stake in the outcome so they want to win. So we hope you will all go buy a copy of The Great Game of Business, originally published in 1992, and a 20th anniversary edition published in 2013, and lessons remain for today. Join us as we read Jack Stack's The Great Game of Business. Thank you so much for listening to the Sisters of Industry and this special edition on dealing with things when they get personal. We hope this episode has made you laugh, made you think, and helped you grow in your personal and professional industrious life.